What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 253 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Friday, July 15th, 2022, 5.16 p.m. Don't know why I've been giving you the time lately specifically, but, uh, you know, you might want to know what Eastern Standard Time is as you're listening to the podcast. It's a more immersive experience, I've found. I'm here with my co-host, Mike. Normally, I would ask him how his day's going, but as the years have gone by, much like a disgruntled married couple, I really could give a fuck about Mike's day at this point. You know why? Because we have a special guest. We have Aid from the Slashers podcast. And, uh, you know, I feel like their podcast is similar, similar vein, similar genre. But more importantly, she saw my band, Dancing with Ghosts, because she actually lives in uh, a city that's close to Jacksonville. And um, so the fact that she saw my band was is really why I brought her on here. But um, I'm just fucking with you. Uh, Aid, what's going on? How's it going? Oh, everything's going great. Thank y'all for having me. And yes, I did see the band. I had a great time. So it was probably one of the highlights of my weekend because I really didn't want to go to St. Augustine, to be completely honest with you. So it was nice to see y'all out there. It was a good time. Oh, um, so you're not think- you're not from St. Augustine. You Is no, that why I- you went to St. Augustine just to go see the the you know, see bands or was there another no. reason why you were there? <laughs> no, I <laughs> It was my birthday week. I live. I live in Orlando. So oh, um, okay, I got you. Yeah, I live in Orlando. I live downtown and magic normally, town. Yeah, <laughs> Matt. Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> I can see Disney from my high rise if that makes you feel any better. But oh, that's my okay. thing. I do. I do Disney on my birthday. My boyfriend hates Disney, so he thought it was cute to plan a trip somewhere else on my birthday and not tell me. And they're like, hey, surprise. And I'm like, I know what you're doing here, but I can't be mad. So, you know, it was one of those things. So I, I actually uh-huh. had a great time in St. Augustine because, like, oh, my God, there's so much to, like, so I hate to say this. I'm, I'm going to say it. But I am a teacher, so this is why I do this. But I love to go out and drink and bar hop and shit. So St. Augustine's a great place to do that. Yeah. And we just... We sort of traipsed around town. I think it was like 10 o'clock or I don't even remember what time it was. We heard the band playing. So we followed the noise. And before I know it, I'm sitting at a picnic table with this random 20-something-year-old couple. And, like, I realize I'm the old couple talking to the young couple. You know, how, like, when you were young, you would always meet, like, an older couple. And, like, we're the old people now. And I saw the band. I thought it was a great time. Y'all were singing at Wrecking Ball. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, I love them. And I'm like, oh, my God, we always have hidden tracks on our podcast. And I got enough balls to ask y'all to, like, send us an MP3. And it's just, like, out of nowhere. I was like, all right, if you don't ask, you don't get. That's what I did. I asked. And you were kind enough to respond to me. So thank you so much, Josh. That was so great. And uh, we're really happy to have you guys as a hidden track. Thank you. Yeah, thank and you. thanks for having us as uh, on your podcast for your music portion or whatever. I mean, We've spent, oh, I've spent like the majority of my years um, just being unsuccessful at like everything. And like now that the band's starting to get like a modicum of success, it's, it's so nice to have people like you or anybody like, like reach out and say that we did, did a good job. I mean, just that affirmation is like, you don't know how many years we went without any of that. We'd play a show. We sold a couple t-shirts, and it was like, okay, yeah, no one cares, cool. Or, like, three people were like, hey, that was a good show, and then that was it. And that show at in St. Augustine, like, that crowd was probably the biggest crowd we've ever played in front of. Like, there was there was a nice bit of people there. Um, 
you know, got really good applause after we each song and all that. It was it was a fucking killer show. Uh, sold a lot of merch, made some new connections. So I mean, it was uh, yeah, it was great that you reached out. And then I saw you had a podcast, and you know, we, me and Mike's been doing this podcast since 2016. So I mean, we have uh, it's mainly so we mainly talk about the show Unsolved Mysteries, and we cover the segments on that show because it was such a cult show. Like as far as like uh, the the cult following that still loves that show so much. Um, it was it yeah. Was, we were like one of the first uh, to to really tap into that. Yeah, now there's like five or six podcasts like, yeah. that talk about uh, unsolved mysteries, but like we were technically the first. Uh, well, technically it was true. I went cold, but uh, uh-huh. we were the first totally dedicated to covering unsolved mysteries. And um, so, like in the early days, like we had people on, like, and this was actually when I just had more time to put more energy into this podcast we actually interviewed people who were on the show unsolved mysteries we somehow oh, wow yeah we somehow you know through whether i this one guy who was a, a investigative journalist who was featured on the show multiple times uh he's so old that the only way i could get in touch with him was i found his mailing address on the bottom of his website and i <laughs> i sent him i wrote him a letter and I sent it to him, and then like a week or two later, he sent me a letter back saying, "Josh, I'd love to talk to you." Blah 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 blah. And so I had to download this phone uh, call record app to record the people's conversation. And I did an interview with them, and um, you know that might, you know, he, I, I don't know if he's. I think he died, but that might have been the last interview he did was with our shitty what little was podcast. His, what was his name again? Don Devereaux. Don Devereaux, yeah. yeah. Uh, we also interviewed uh, a director of photography for uh, the show. Yeah, that was uh, that cool. was pretty awesome. That was really cool. Uh, and he then, left a comment on a video that Josh did, I yeah. believe, on YouTube, which is how this podcast uh, really uh, was born. Because I had this idea of doing uh, a podcast about unsolved mysteries, but I didn't have enough uh, confidence in myself to do it on my own. So I took a big swing, and I just sent a personal message to Josh on YouTube, back when you could still do that on YouTube. And I was like, hey, I'm a big fan of Unsolved Mysteries. I really liked your video. I'm thinking about doing a podcast. Do you maybe want to uh, do it with me? Yeah, and so, and so <laughs> we, jumped on, yeah. we jumped on Skype just to see if we had any kind of chemistry, and... The first time we talked, we talked for like an hour and a half about just mm-hmm. nothing. And it's like, yeah, we could yeah. do a podcast. This is easy. Because <laughs> I had tried doing a podcast like a long time ago, back when I was early in the game, like when I was like 20, fucking 21 or something. I tried doing a podcast with my friend Brian because I was like, man, we talk so well together on the phone and we're really funny. I think we would make a really good podcast. And then as soon as we try to do our first episode, as soon as I hit the recording light, Brian clams up like a fucking oyster and doesn't say a goddamn thing. And I'm like doing all the talking and I'm like, this is is never going to go anywhere. And we didn't. And another thing I realized about doing podcasts is you do kind of have to pick a specific thing you're talking about. Yeah, like it's. I found that it's hard to do. A, we just talk about stream of consciousness podcast. Whatever crazy idea comes out of our head, and it's like 
Yeah, you're not as funny as you think you are. Some people can pull that off, though, I have to admit. But those people are, like, for the most part, really talented comedians in their own right. So they're able to pull off something like that. Yeah, I mean, if they're a celebrity or big name, then, then yeah, it's a lot easier. Because people just care what they have to say by virtue of the fact that they're famous or whatever. But anyway, circling all that back around... We've had other people on our podcast. We've had other other podcasters on our podcast before, but it's few and far between. And I hate that. You know, I like I like being able to collab with people. You know, as much as possible because it's just more fun to me getting to meet new people and getting a, a bigger podcast community going. And um, we've had had a lot of uh, we spent a lot of time with um, the Perhaps It's You podcast, which is actually mm-hmm. another Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Yep. Believe it or not. And it's um, two women run that one, and um, they're fucking oh, wow. they're fucking hilarious. Like, uh, yeah, they're great. Liz, one of the co-hosts for that podcast, has actually subbed in for Mike a few times because his of his work schedule or whatever. So she's actually been my co-host a few times. That's how close we've gotten. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I was excited to um, you know maybe build another bridge with yet another you know pod you know group of podcasters. So. And uh, since we rebranded our podcast a while ago, because we were forced to do so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a funny story about that Don Devereaux guy I talked to. Uh, our podcast at the time was called Uncovering Unsolved Mysteries, and we used the Unsolved Mysteries logo for our thumbnail. Well, Don Devereaux like, oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I sent your podcast to John and Terry. John Cosgrove and Terry Moyer, of course, being the executive producers of Unsolved Mysteries. And I guess he sent them our podcast, and I think he was doing it innocently, like, oh, look, these young people are doing a, a, you know, they're talking about your show. And the executive producers saw it as, oh, they're using our logo and our intellectual property. Let's get our lawyer to send them a cease and desist letter. So that's exactly what they did. They sent Uh sent us a cease and desist letter, and uh, I actually, (laughs) I think I got a phone call from the guy. Oh, Um, my God. Yeah, and, and um, so, yeah, we had to scrub the name. We had to scrub the intro because I was, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Uncovering Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, we had to change the theme song. We had to scrub everything. But by that point, we had already picked up enough followers that they just kept following us to the mm-hmm. rebrand, you know? Like, oh, my God. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's yeah. awful. No, it's awesome. Oh. I have a fucking cease yeah. and desist from the pr- executive <laughs> producers of one of my favorite shows in my drawer. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't get uh, anything. Uh, they didn't bother to try to go after me, uh, which is kind of funny because I'm the one that you know found the unsolved mysteries logo and and then well and did all that all that. My letter, my letter to Dawn obviously had my home address on it, so I'm sure yeah, I'm sure they used that's that. That's it. You know, so. that's it. But yeah, we interviewed a lot of people in the past from the show. Like I think at least four people who were featured on the show yeah. in some way or the other. So I mean. It's been. I mean, we've we've peaked, and now we're in our yeah. down, downward decline, and it's fine. We're just like living in our in the downward spiral at this point. We're we're embracing uh, the chaos that that our podcast has become because yeah. uh, we have still you know done quite a few uh, episodes that have focused on segments from the show and cases from the show, but now we're like going way beyond that, and this ties directly into that. But it also does kind of tie into other stuff that we've talked about on the podcast before. Yeah, so... Because um, uh, the subject of uh, this podcast is uh, 
the film The Sacrament. I see you segueing, Mike, and I felt in my bones that you were about to segue. But before you do that, I would like to ask Aid about, okay. first of all, what's your podcast, <laughs> even though I already said it, just to reiterate for people to remember, what's your podcast called and, and what's y'all's deal? What do y'all talk about? What's y'all's thing? Well, we are Slashers Podcast, and we basically talk about anything and all things uh, horror-related. We do themes each month. Sometimes we don't do themes. It's really just whatever gets the metadata, I guess, at this point. But I, I, I joined the show as one of the first girls. One of the hosts dipped out, so I kind of stepped in. I actually kind of I didn't force myself in, but I got in. And Jake, so Jake and I are basically the mom and dad of the podcast. And Jake loves RoboCop, Mike, by the way. Oh, that's so, awesome. <laughs> that's like his fucking favorite movie of all time. We actually do an episode on RoboCop. So um, yeah. I think he would love you. So anyway, oh, cool. I, yeah. And, you know, I just, it, it's interesting because I met them, everyone through the pod, um, through the pandemic on this podcast in 2020 and i was a listener a follower and we did a watch party and i was like oh you know i'd really love to do the bad batch with you guys if you want to ever do that and they're like jake's like yeah let's do the bad batch and so we did the bad batch and if y'all saw it that uh cannibal movie with jason momoa and keanu reeves that would be mike's department with the movies oh uh, i i didn't know keanu was in that um, yeah i definitely i definitely need to see that one. Oh, you gotta it's not it's still on netflix right now it yeah. is so it's so good i love that movie jk hates it so whatever you decide what you think but anyway <laughs> um so that's it i i just kind of got onto that so then i was the only girl for a while so then it was three of us it was jake doug and me doug does a lot of uh TV and B movies. He does a lot of stuff with Lloyd Kaufman through Trauma. So if you guys mm-hmm. have uh, B movie TV through Roku, please follow. You know, uh, Friday Night Action, Saturday Night Terrors, and Grandpa Oats Cinema Woodchipper because those are all shows that Doug does on B movie TV. And so, and he's coming out with a new movie soon that we're all going to be featured on. It's all B movie shit. So I mean, whatever it is, what it is. <laughs> but you know, I. I, I for me, practical effects for horror is something that's so important. Yes, I love bo- practical effects. I grew up uh, being an absolutely uh, huge fan of practical makeup effects. I actually mm-hmm. met uh, uh, some of the legends in the industry in person at like the Hollywood Theater in Portland during mm-hmm. screenings of like The Fly and uh, uh, um, Harry and the Henderson. So I actually oh, wow. met Chris Wayless. Uh, who oh. did uh, the Fly uh, remake effects and, and Gremlins and got to shake his hand, got his autograph and a makeup effects book uh, of mine. He even drew a little Gremlin in there with, uh, <laughs> with Sharpie. I uh, love that. <laughs> yeah, I also met uh, Rick Baker uh, at, a, at a screening of uh, Harry and the Hendersons and got his autograph. He's just a really cool guy. So that those are huge highlights for me, meeting... Uh, two uh, uh, just unbelievably talented artists uh, and and just seeing them in person and thanking them for, you know, what they did and what they've accomplished over the years. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think that horror really benefits from that because we, as we see now with like big budget horror, especially with Blumhouse, which yeah. who, who follows us? So I can't really talk too much shit. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, everything CGI. And as we all know, I there is a, a point where you can you can kind of mesh CGI with 
practical effects. We've seen this in, in many movies. Mm-hmm. One thing I can think of is, you know, Rose McGowan's gun leg and grindhouse. Cause we just talked yeah. about that. So yeah, that's when those things work. But when you just rely solely on CGI, you can go fuck off right now because at this point, <laughs> yeah. this is not a children's movie. We are not looking at a DreamWorks, you know, uh, despicable me parody like just give me practical effects i want to see blood squirting at people i want to see disgustingness if you can't give that to me then i i can't be scared because it's not real right and also it depends on the quality of the cgi because sometimes cgi can be done in a way that's uh, pretty effective but when you're so cheap that you're doing a sign made out (laughs) of cgi like this horror film i saw called the last in yeah, then then no. <laughs> like why yeah. is the sign CGI for the creepy inn? Like you couldn't afford a sign or rocks. There were CGI rocks in that movie. I, and that's my thing. I feel like CGI is just such an easy and, yeah. and everyone says it's an easy it's cheap, it's easy, so mm-hmm. I get it. Whatever. As, but with B movies especially these days with certain B movies, a lot of them still use practical effects and that's why I appreciate yeah. them. So I appreciate, you know, Doug, our coworker or my coworker. Oh my God. My co-host and everything he does. So we love you, Doug. Uh, follow him at Doug Bizarro. So if you guys want to see more shit on all of his stuff that he's working on, especially because I don't know if you guys are a fan of trauma or not, but we're big, we're big trauma fans on the show. I mean, not so much me. I'm a girl, but if you guys love trauma, please go ahead and listen to Slasher's podcast because we do a couple of months with a, another podcast and we collaborate and we do all that fun all right. stuff. So if you like, you know, Toxic Avenger and that's your thing, you know, whatever. Anyway, <coughs> speaking of practical effects, uh, I think that the sacrament uses a lot of practical effects. Yes. Because they looked practical to me. So I don't know what yep. you guys thought about that. <laughs> So I'm sitting here, and out of nowhere, Mike and Aid are like, hey, the sacrament movie, let's do it. Found footage. Jonestown. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I watched it last night, and um, it's a movie that came out in 2013. I don't know mm-hmm. if it got a theatrical release. Limited. Lim- limited yeah, release. it looked like one of those movies that would have gotten a limited theatrical release. It, it just looked a little... Um, I mean, it was shot well and everything, but it just, you know, there was no big name actors in there, to my knowledge. I mean, a lot of Ty West films up until that point were films that had limited releases, like The House of the Devil and The Innkeepers. Yes. I mean, they were all indie films, right? Because this one came out in 2013. Mm -hmm. If you look at The House of the Devil, that came out in 2009, Innkeepers 2011. So that was like his time to shine. Of course, he had some features in VHS. So if those are things that you're interested in, of course, now we have... Boys, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, what, what, what? The recent film that he did, X. X, yes. And yeah. so, did anybody see X yet? I did, and I was not that much of a fan of it. Oh! I, I mean, there are things about it that I liked, but oh, I, I loved I, I just, it. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't really big on that one. I oh, think, there I was think... so many good splatter moments, though, Mike. Yeah, just, like. I know, but development. I thought it was quick. I didn't think it. Would, I thought it was going to be a slow burn, but when it when it started, it just went yeah, off. Yeah, I thought I thought it was actually pretty slow for me because like Uh-oh. the first kill doesn't even happen until like over an hour in. And <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, just yeah. dealing with the old people and mm-hmm. when, when she's swimming and you know, because I live in Florida, so mm. 
when she's swimming in the in the water with the alligator behind her. That was a that great was a scene. I love that yeah. scene. I, I will I will absolutely agree with that sequence. I thought that sequence was fantastic. There's just something so creepy about these old people yeah. like being so dirty. Like, ew. Like, <laughs> die already. Like, why are you touching these young children? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so see now I have two um, uh, movie nerds on here, and I am the the movie pleb. Uh, I am I am not. <laughs> He's the outcast, which is a good dynamic, I think. You you want to have the 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 everyman, and then the two nerds. You know, I think you, you want to have the guy that's like, oh, I I like the part where he shot his self in the head with the gun, and the the window sh- blasted behind him. That was cool. You know, like. Uh... <laughs> Okay, well, any, I'm sorry, Josh. I didn't mean to like put you as the pleb. So no, it's I fine. I, 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 admit, dude, it is the longest running theme that I like. He doesn't so, watch any movies. I, I don't watch yeah. movies, <laughs> which actually is not true. I've come to find out that the movies that I that I like are just a completely different genre than what Mike typically watches. Yeah. Yeah. So like I tend to stay away from mainstream releases um, or like Disney, Pixar, anything like that. Um, well, I don't watch a lot of Disney Pixar. Well, I know, so, but I'm so. just saying like just <laughs> things that I typically don't watch. The things that yeah. I, I things that I find myself watching are like uh, thrillers, dramas, uh-huh. uh, love dramas. Any any movie? Yeah, if you, if drama it, is definitely not one of my favorite genres, so that's probably why. If you type in the drama like examples of drama movies in Google and whatever movies pops up, those are probably some of my top favorite movies. Um, I mean, you you can have things such as like Pulp Fiction to the Panic Room to uh, yeah. I mean, there's so many movies that fall under that um, category, and they just that just happens to be what I like. Um, I would say the Sacrament had definitely had some elements of drama. Yeah, and and yeah, and yes. I will I will um, sprinkle more of my opinion in on this, but uh, so basically. Um, I don't know if we want to just go and read the entire plot of the movie. I mean, it's not too long on Wikipedia. Um, well, um, I can I can just go through. I send you all of my notes, and literally we just go through like a quick run of statistics, which is just like just, just, yeah. I, I can't say that because I, I don't teach math; I teach English. Oh, statistics, I see your notes here. Yes, and oh, okay. it's super quick, like in and out. You know, okay, like cool. a fun little quickie. Fine with me. So. <laughs> Um, I, I just think it would be a little bit quicker and then we can just sort of talk about if you want, I mean, Josh, you're hosting, don't let me take over. Cause I, I tend to do that. So if I did that, I'm very sorry, everybody. Um, but before we get into the movie though, I just want to kind of like, I was, do you guys watch always sunny in Philadelphia? I've seen a few yes. episodes. I've seen okay. quite a handful of episodes. Yes. Okay. So I felt like I was Charlie because I was like sitting in front of my paper the other day with all of these like things and pointing at everything because back in that time, it—I I don't want to say the internet was the—we had the internet, but like, did you have? You had smartphones, but it wasn't like what we have now, right? So no. I just assumed that all of these movies at this time were all done by the same person, because literally, <laughs> yeah. Ty West, um, Adam Wingard, we had uh-huh. Joe Swanberg, uh, Simon Barrett, all these mother David Bruckner. They were all mm-hmm. doing. They were all doing the same kinds of movies with the same actors, and I'm yeah. like, I all thought they were done by the same person. And then I found out 
doing my notes on the sacrament, I'm like, oh my God, there's like a little, like, I wish you guys could see my notebook because there's like little like arrows to all of these things. <laughs> it's so sad. But I mean, I just like literally, if you, if you like the sacrament or if you've never seen the sacrament, but you've seen movies like You're Next or you've seen The House of the Devil or you've seen uh-huh. VHS or you've seen it, well, I, any I of say, the found footage films from that era for the most part, really. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, if you've seen The Guest, which, by the way, The Guest is the best fucking movie. I love that movie so much. If you love drama, Josh, you have to watch The Guest. They are all done by the same people. So Adam Winger did The Guest. Adam Winger's part of, like, You're Next. He's also part of A Horrible Way to Die. Um, mm-hmm. He's part of, like, he's friends with Ty West, who did The Sacrament. They all just... did segments, and I think ABCs of Death as well. ABCs of Death, yes. VHS. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, they all tie in with each other. Fucking Joe Swanberg nerds. does movies. The Innkeepers. <laughs> I mean, it's... No, it's not nerds. Like, if you were watching these movies at the time, you're like, oh, my God, why do they all feel the same? Oh, because everybody's, like, their best friend. So, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, for me, I was just like blown away because I always thought that Ty West did all of these. And then we actually did an episode on the night house recently. And one of my co-hosts mm-hmm. was talking about David Bruckner who's fanning his nuts to that. And David Bruckner did all of these things. I'm like, Oh my God, is he tied in? But they all include movies with Joe Swanberg, AJ Bowen and Amy Simons who are all <laughs> in the sacrament. And I'm like, okay, that's fun. And so you really think that they're all the same person, but they're not, but they're all friends. They must all be. I assume they're all friends. I didn't look up the cheese man with that, but there's that. So that was just what I wanted to say. If you've seen any of those movies and you like all those movies, then you're going to definitely love the sacrament. It's yes, it's found footage, but I think that it does a really good job with the kind of found footage it is because sometimes you'll watch found footage and it's a little convoluted or it's too shaky. Some people get sick Mm -hmm. when they watch it. It's not as, it's not as appealing to some people and, or some, some of it's disgusting. Like I hate like the den, like I hate the ones that are just specifically on the computer. I don't know how you feel about that, Mike. But I mean, are- I liked unfriended, uh, uh, cause it was unique and interesting. Uh, but I could see why that might be a turnoff for some people. Um, yeah. I really like searching. Speaking well, what of dramas, was the, you should uh, definitely see good, that yeah. one. What was the Josh. one? The one major release that just like bothered everyone because the camera was so, like, Cloverfield. Cloverfield, yeah, yeah. wasn't it, it wasn't it infamous for how shaky yeah. the camera was? It was almost like unwatchable. Yeah, well, I've I've seen it several times. I like Cloverfield. Cloverfield, yeah. Not th- an Cloverfield issue had I I mean I, it was an issue for like mainstream audiences that had not really Me, seen that basically much in terms but, of found footage. The Joshes of the world. The Josh, okay. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. No, I get it, and I. I do love, we're actually doing a whole episode on found footage next week with um, CIS producer Travis Ayers. I'm not trying to name drop here, but mm-hmm. um, speaking of CIS, Gene Jones also stars in that movie as well as The Sacrament. He plays Father, so I thought that was... I like to think that Gene Jones, the actor, uh, it, it, the fact that his last name was Jones, that had to have ha- get, gave him a leg up on getting the role as uh, Father in this movie, because it's like... Well, I mean, apparently he nailed his big interview scene in like one single 17-minute take. Yeah, yeah. The, all these uh, any any useful or insightful information that comes out of me or Mike's mouth going forward is all attributed to Aid because she literally made the most in depth pre show notes <laughs> that I've ever seen. Me and Mike would <laughs> never, dude. You want to know what my notes looked like? It was literally a, a Microsoft Notepad. I had three bullet points, <laughs> and it was like 
man, this chick's really selling these people on this new town, and it's, uh-huh. it's too close to uh, uh, People's Temple. And then the third note was like, yeah. uh, man, that guy must have got the part because his last name was Jones. That, that was the three points that I had my, to go off of. My points are all in my head. That that's 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 what goes on with me. In all and fairness I to you, did a review of the film yeah, on my channel. In all so. fairness to you, though, Mike, like you've been doing YouTube for like over ten years, yeah. reviewing movies, so you've kind of yeah. become a, a machine at at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I get it. I, I I'm sorry. I'm just very type A, but also so is Jake on my show. So the two. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I'm not like saying I'm of... not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's fucking. It's awesome. not a bad thing at all. It's I mean, like, Josh I used this. to. <laughs> Like, back in the day, like, when we first started, and there was no, like, uh, Unsolved Wikia or anything, Josh would actually painstakingly type up a transcript of, like, each segment that we were discussing. Yep. So, so, like, from when the show (laughs) would open and Robert Stack would start talking... To when the show ended, I was just typing away. I'd have to pause and rewind because I I didn't catch everything. I and I noticed something about um like how education affects the speed of how someone talks a lot of times because anytime they were interviewing some like podunk kind of eyewitness or something it was it was easy to transcribe what they were saying because they were talking so slow and just kind of you know like and then I saw, I seen the son of a bitch and he was running towards the forest but then whenever there's some professional on there they're like they're talking way quicker they're using bigger words and I'm having to go, okay wait wait what was that was you know, slow down it's like every time it was like that so whenever they would interview someone I'm like oh cool I get to, my brain takes gets to take a rest but anytime it was like a, anyone in a professional capacity I'm like fuck you know I'd always have to rewind <laughs> it you know so that was an interesting thing I learned from doing that painstaking ass bullshit back in the day he, he got a taste of what uh, uh transcript uh, uh people have to deal with because like there actually are people who yeah le- that's yeah. their job they make transcripts <laughs> but they they have like codes of where they type so then you yeah. know what they're saying later so it's quicker I, mm-hmm. that just seems like too much effort to me so <laughs> sorry yeah it even was for you <laughs> <laughs> even for me <laughs> It was, it was too much effort. That's why I. That's why I was like I stopped. And then when they created think the 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 angels out in the internet when they created unsolved Wikia, and they literally had every almost every segment on there, and you could just type in the name of the segment, and it would have the the breakdown. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, saves me so much time, so much easier. Um, well, yeah, no, Wikipedia is amazing. I mean. I was telling IMDb. my students not to use it, but, you know. Whatever. IMDb is also helpful. <laughs> yes, the IMDb is helpful at times, but it's it just sucks because when you click on it, it's so stupid. I know we're talking about this, and yeah. you can cut this out. <laughs> but when you click on IMDb, it's like the, the trailer at the top. you got to scroll all yes. the way down for shit. Like, who the yes. fuck has time for this? Like, just give me the information. It didn't used to be like that. Like, that's a more a modern thing. Yeah, IMDb, I used to use it like like way back in the day when they had a message board, mm. and uh, they didn't really have a whole lot of like trailers or ads or all this other stuff. It just became sort of a, a thing once I think they got bought out by a film studio or something. Getting being able to like have the focus to sit down and watch a movie uh, is 
difficult for me a lot of times because my mind and the way it is and everything. But uh, after trying this magic mind that I've been talking about for the past few podcasts, I've noticed that I'm now able to focus and was able to watch the sacrament. And, uh, it, you know, I really felt dialed in attention-wise because, you know, as I was saying before, poor attention span when it comes to just really, like, sit, settling down and focusing on what I need to do, being the, you know, taking on all the things that I do throughout my day. Um, I'm constantly having to maintain focus and magic mind elixir definitely helps me with that um i like i said i'm able to stay on task uh i'm able to feel more energized while while doing it um so the whole magic mind formula um it's got a bunch of really helpful ingredients in it like l-theanine um and i really like harping on this one in particular because i just find it fascinating um, paired with caffeine, L-theanine helps increase focus and attention because caffeine actually doesn't give you energy. All it does is it blocks the ATP receptors in your brain, which cause tiredness. When the receptors unblock three to four hours later, you experience the coffee crash. While L-theanine binds with the caffeine molecules and f- prevents the full blocking of the receptors, reducing or resolving the caffeine crash and the jitters you feel. It's got uh, neurotro- neurotropics in it which uh, helps with procrastination, almost like a natural Adderall. Studies have shown that procrastination is more based on stress and your cortisol levels than being, quote-unquote, lazy. Um, It's got lion's mane and cordyceps mushrooms uh, that boost your uh, clarity and focus so you can finish your to-do list by noon. In my case, my to-do list would be finished by, like, what, 5? Because I don't wake up until 1.30 p.m., um, so I, I would rec- I would recommend it for all those reasons I said um, in the past and today, you know, me noticing that, hey, I'm actually able to focus on this over here. So anyway, if you would like to get some of your own magic mind, you can go to www.magicmind.co slash UUM. That's www.magicmind.co slash UUM as in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries, use our promo code UUM20 at checkout, and you will get 40% off your subscription, if you decide to get a subscription of this stuff, meaning they send it to you, you know, on a regular basis, or you could get a 20% off one-time purchase using the code UUM20. Once again, that's magicmind.co slash UUM. So... So basically a sacrament, uh, Patrick, a fashion photographer, he receives a letter from his sister, a recovering addict named Caroline, that invites him to visit Eden Parish, a utopian drug-free community found by a religious leader. Now, already I'm thinking, well, that sucks. I would never want to live in a drug-free utopian community because uh, those two things just don't square with me. How can you feel a utopian feeling without drugs? Anyway, um, don't do drugs, kids. (laughs) Well, I mean, to be honest, like the utopian aspect like disturbs me more than the drug-free aspect. Well, the relig- religious leader disturbed me the most cuz Yeah, you know, that as well. Not not, yeah. not not super big on religion over here. When uh, Patrick investigates, he discovers that they have moved to a secluded compound only accessible by helicopter. That's cuz that's, that's totally a red flag. that's totally not a red flag. <laughs> 
<laughs> located in what Sam only calls a quote remote part of the world. Yeah, I like how they, they they're trying to just they don't want to pin it down to a specific place, but it's totally supposed to be Guyana. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's supposed to be South America somewhere. Yeah. Uh, uh, funny enough, though, this was actually filmed in Savannah, Georgia. So, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like you know. You like the where they shot at? All you need is kind of like woods in an open area. You could literally film that anywhere. Uh, well, most places anyway. Plenty, definitely plenty of places in Florida to find that shit. Um, intrigued by the mystery, Patrick's coworkers, uh, reporter Sam and cameraman Jake, uh, suggest a who feature. actually work for Vice. Yes, by the that's way. that's the whole thing. Which to me, like the fact that they worked for Vice, that added a, a depth of um, realism to it. Yeah. Because it's it starts out almost like, is am I watching a Vice documentary? Did I yeah. did I download the right movie? And <laughs> then when it, it it just kind of transforms later on, and that's that the Vice thing really, they needed to have that in the movie. I really like that. It did oh, it make did it stand out from out other uh, found footage uh, films. Yeah, because, yeah, because uh, uh, something, uh, that something that someone was noting who had reviewed the movie said that, that uh, you know, if you know, this is supposed, supposed to be a found, found footage, footage movie, movie, why do these why shots look so damn good? Damn but good. the genius of having them work for Vice is like, oh, well, they're professional cameramen, so they're bringing professional cameras to the site. So it's believable, and you don't question it. Because, yes, if it's supposed to be a cell phone and it's looking like you know uh, it was shot with a red camera or something like that you know there's these professional industry standard cameras well, be, i mean back in the day yeah but now like with people's iphones and stuff like their yeah cameras are, i can tell like, though i could still tell like the uh, yeah. uh you know like yes they have definitely improved and they've even shot movies using iphones before but um you could definitely tell the difference between like even like i have a black magic uh 6k um, video camera and um, just the quality between that and in my iPhone is night and day. Especially when you get uh-huh. into like the post production color grading and all that, it looks like shit on iPhone footage versus like a uh, industry standard. Anyway, that's boring to everybody. Um, moving on. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's actually a good point that you made about that because we have to remember the time. Like people living now, especially young people. And when I say young people, like twenty somethings, they think that the phones have always been the way that they have been. No, like back in the early 2000s. Awful. I, I, even at this time, everything sucked. Like, I didn't even think I have a fucking smartphone until like 2012. Like, I, I didn't, ha- I I didn't have an actual like <laughs> high end smartphone until like la- like earlier or this year or last year sometime. Because I yeah. had a hand me down that was like a Samsung Galaxy Mike was over S4. there rocking a jitterbug. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wasn't rocking a jitterbug. <laughs> I was rocking a S4. And I, I remember when I brought it in to the to, to the phone place, the guy was like, "What <laughs> is this even? Like, is this even gonna work? Are we gonna even be able to transfer all the data from this to the new phone?" I mean, well, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, the phone. The phone work. The thing is, is that the phones work. Like, why do we keep mm-hmm. having to get new ones? Because my first phone, my first Galaxy I ever had, was the fa- most favorite phone I ever had. And every phone after that has sucked asshole. I can't text on it. Constantly yeah. hitting the period button. It's always doing things. I'm like, what? Like, it doesn't matter. It just fucking sucks. Like, give me back my old ass Galaxy. I have to go find it. I'm sure I have Speaking it of cults, <laughs> some people are a part of uh, the Apple cult. That's for sure. Well, that's fine. And I get it. Because I'm sure it works way better. The ca- I don't know if the cameras, but I don't fucking care. But I don't have time to learn a new phone. I'm old, so leave me alone. But as far as, like, you know, phones goes... 
I get it. The heat, they have professional camera. He, I, he fucking tatted that thing the entire time. Like at the end when he got back from the helicopter, Joe Swanberg, I'm like, what is he doing running around yeah. with this big ass camera? <laughs> Yeah, people with you, guns, like. yeah. You would have thought that is like I've seen really dedicated like camera people before who like you know especially if you're working for a news outlet or something you want to get that that when shit goes down your your first instinct it's almost like your brain changes and you like start denying the human instincts of drop the camera and run motherfucker it's like no grab the camera and go towards the action because like that's you know so that that's the only way i justified it in my mind why he was doing that well at one point he did leave the camera yeah but no, he, he did, it was like yeah. borderline ridiculous at some of the moments when like yeah. he's like, oh, still got to film this for Vice, got to make a mm. documentary for Vice. Uh, so anyway, they were intrigued. The co-work, uh, Patrick's co-workers, reporter Sam and cameraman Jake suggested a feature documentary on the topic for Vice. The trip goes well, but the helicopter pilot warns them that he will leave with or without them the next day. They promise to be prompt. Issues first arrive when they meet the guards uh at the uh air or the guides rather at the airfield because they were only expecting patrick and they see you know this these camera people there and it's this whole thing and oh i don't know about that and so they're taken aback by the film crew uh they contact father the leader who authorizes their entrance at the commune itself armed guards delay the entry of the film crew feeling uneasy jake and sam begin to regret the trip but patrick is able to smooth things over when his sister appears Caroline enthusiastically welcomes them and apologizes for misunderstanding. And even at this point, uh, the whole gun thing obviously was, was a red flag. But, you know, when Caroline, she does a good job as a, her, with her acting, too, because she's like, you know, she's, oh, yeah, sorry about that. You know, like, we, we have to just, you know, protection out here. You know, we have to keep the premises, you know, protected because, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, kind of says it in a way to it's like, okay, yeah, I guess that's understandable. This seems to be some third world country and guns are more of a thing yeah. there with guerrilla yeah. armies and shit like that. So it's like, okay, you know, that, that's... Amy did an amazing job in this movie. She really did. Yeah. Um, she oh, She's great. And all you guys have got to see her in A Horrible Way to Die. It's probably her best performance, in my opinion. I have that on DVD somewhere. So Oh, yeah. it's so good. She's I mean, so good in that. I like, why I'd... is she not in more? I don't know. No, but I mean, she's in your next, but she died. She gets like clotheslined on the thing. I don't know if y'all remember the sister that got clotheslined in your next. Yeah, your next. <laughs> she should have had a bit. Oh, well, whatever. I mean, your next is your next, but I, a horrible way to die, a great way to show it. This movie showcased her. I don't know why she isn't in more. Like, yeah, she did is, really good. And, I, I, and I'd like to go out on a date with her. So if she's listening, you know. Hit me up. Oh, you know, I'm sure she would. And her little outfit that she wore for for father. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I could say a fucked up joke right now, but I'm not. I'm trying to become a I'm trying to evolve from 2016, Josh, to 2020. I I also uh, thought Kentucky Oddly, he uh, he did a good job as well, especially when uh, his sister has him all tied up at the end. Oh, my God. That's so that's that was so difficult to watch that scene. And I just, you know, because I have a, a little brother, a little brother, he's 30, he's in his 30s now, so what mm-hmm. am I saying? Anyways, but I, I could never just do that to my brother. Like, I could yeah. never, like, if I saw him sitting there crying, I would have let him go. Like, I just, she was just completely entranced and yeah. just, you know, I guess this is what cults do, right? They yep. just kind mm-hmm. of, like, take Absolutely. over every facet of, of your... Break down of, your, who you are and rebuild in their image. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I know. And for her to have done that to him was such a powerful, just because you, you know, you're watching this movie with Lee's thinking most of the time, these tropes with these horror films, the brother and sister get out, everybody's good, right? Mm -hmm. This is not the case with this no. one. And, and when she does to herself after that. Yeah. <laughs> Self-immolation, you know baby. She fucking deserves it. So good for her. I'm glad that she gave herself the just, you know, justification because at this point, um, she was not. There, she was not in the the. And this is what pisses me off. She was not in the cult to be sober because when they found her after that party, she was like all fucked up on something, mm -hmm. right? So like, you're just. You're just fucking around over here. So we, I know you're dealing with addiction. We're dealing with this. But you, we really need to leave the country and fuck with all these people in order to do so. And this is what it just drives me crazy when it comes to, um, you know, having to deal with these types of, of things in film is that I just feel like everything is sort of like we're looking at people with problems with addiction. We're looking with people's problems with, you know, just being influenced right but we're looking at them in a negative aspect and so mm -hmm. like people with addiction we shouldn't be looking at them like they need help but now you're we're turning that we're taking this building is taking that and turning it on its head and we're using it against these characters now we're looking at them as the other right so i don't know what that i don't know what the fucking tangent i'm going on i'm sorry um <laughs> But anyway, yeah, Aid, what are you, you. talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Like I go on these tangents, I start thinking, and then I look out the window, and I forget what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I just I think that with her character, especially, like what a great way to introduce people to the type of cults. Because you know, what, what the, the hell was the last one that we just saw with Quentin Tarantino, the 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 Hollywood one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. That one With is the so Manson overt. Cult? Yeah. yeah, that's so overt, though. Like, you see it, like, it, there's nothing about it that you don't look at these people and you're like, okay, they're fucked, right? You mm -hmm. already know they're fucked. When you come into this cult, you kind of feel okay. You feel yeah. comforted. You meet the doctor. You meet, mm -hmm. you know, even when they first initially meet father, you feel comforted. Like, the sister is acting like she's got all her, you know, dogs walking. So, it's like you're just going into it. Yes, we're in this jungle, and there's got, there's guys with guns, whatever. But we have yeah. that in America, too. What difference does it make? So, <laughs> I'm just it like... It was like okay. that in Jonestown. It was, it's, it's, it's been like that in a lot of other uh, cults uh, throughout history where, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it lulls you into this false sense of security. Well, most cults mm -hmm. have a, th a there's a term for it that um that most cults use it's called love bombing. When you first join mm -hmm. the cult, like they just shower you with love and acceptance and and that's all that's all like the hook to dra to yeah. get you to go that much deeper into the abyss until, you know, f until it gets too late. I mean, you had some uh, some characters in this film mm -hmm. that clearly came from uh, uh, backgrounds where, you know, things were limited, they didn't have a lot of money, uh, you know, they were yeah. either homeless or they were, you know, dealing with a lot of other issues. Like the, the kids from the hood and talking mm -hmm. about how they felt accepted and they yeah. have, you know, a place in society and that and so, that sort of thing. And I just thought it was so interesting because one of, you know, we see them later in the movie and he's dying or he doesn't want to take the, yeah. the stuff and then he's dying and it's just it's you know, every it's single so... every single bit of this parallels Jonestown to a T. Yeah, 
Yeah, it does. That was, that was, I was going to save it for the end, but I can't mm-hmm. hold back anymore. <laughs> no, that's fine. The reason that's why I haven't, I haven't mentioned Jonestown very much, but... But, dude, I mean, of all the extensive research I've done on, on Jonestown, every single beat for beat, they they took every single thing about what happened at Jonestown and they basically made a uh, like a pastiche of it or uh, yeah. not 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 really. A, yeah, and it's a, not the first film to like, do that. I mean, there there was an exploitation film, uh, I believe, in like the late 70s. It was called Guyana uh, Cult of the Damned. Had Powers Booth in it, I think. Uh, I mean, I, I just played, thought, uh, like I Jim just, Jones. I thought that uh, the whole Vice angle was super cool, and I really liked that. Mm-hmm. And, and, but then to see them, to see it go from something that they could have made a totally original movie about to go to, we're just going to take the blueprint of Jonestown and you know cut it down to like fifty people instead of five hundred people and just recreate everything. There was a, a African American lady. Uh, there's audio recordings of this when Jim Jones is like, "We can't keep living like this. We can't. We must go to. We must go to the next plane, the next, the next dimension. We, we, we're, we're tired. We're so tired." And everyone's like cheering him on. And there's the one dissenter who stands up and goes, "But, but, Father, what about Russia? Because like at one point they, uh, they were seriously considering going to Russia because um, the, the Russia, Russia, the Russian government were in, in talks with them about harboring them because." Uh, they pretty much like were communists you know they they lived mm-hmm. on communist beliefs and you know so russia sympathized with them and that was a, a t- talks about that for a while but they ended up not doing it for one reason logistically i think it, it would have been too hard and the lady's like what what if we went to russia you know do we really have to do it's like no no we we can't keep running where we, we refuse to run and all that it's and, our time yeah. Right. And then then the scenes with like the African American kids who are playing basketball who came from a seemingly like destitute uh like be, like origins in America and how they're talking about how they're never going to go back to America. That same exact thing happened in Jonestown. Uh the thing about uh the People's Temple even back when it was located in the United States was how there was literally like no delineation racially. I mean, there were just as much, if not more, uh, black people in the congregation as there were white people. I mean, there was literally no discrimination whatsoever. And that's another thing with cult leaders. There's always one redeemable trait about them, usually. Like, there's always one thing about them, like, well, at least he wasn't racist, you know? But, like, <laughs> yeah, it was just, like, uh, just beat for beat. Uh, the the cyanide or the, you know, whatever they put in the juice, and then everyone drinks the juice and dies, but... Jim Jones uh, didn't drink the juice. He went to his hut and put a bullet in his head, you know, like just every single detail. That was the point, I think. And and for me, it didn't bother me a a, a lot because it put a found footage spin on it. So it made it still a a little bit unique. Like it wasn't 100% unique. It definitely did copy a lot of uh, beats from the actual Jonestown Massacre. Uh, and you could argue maybe it copied too many. I would argue it copied too many. For yeah, but, but it just it just made me want to see a like uh, relatively big budget uh, major Hollywood studio production of a Jonestown movie. That's what, yeah. really what it made me want to see. No, I mean, I, it 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 does put you in first person point of view. Yeah, like, this mm-hmm. sort of thing, and it was cool. I've, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I thought I was going to. Oh no, you're fine. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just feel like it, I think it that's important for this sort of thing because mm-hmm. 
we see we see so many documentaries we see everything on the outside but to see it from the inside looking out yeah. you know and how it's how it's manifesting and all Yeah I, that was definitely a cool component of it um but I I'm obsessed and, with- and as far I'm sorry Josh but as far as big budget budget they only spent 4 million dollars in this movie so yeah. Yeah. it really wasn't that big of no. a budget <laughs> No right. I was saying like I, I my, my problem wasn't it, with the budget it was just with yeah. it was just with how they bit off from the plot mm-hmm. lines of like the actual because like I said it starts off there are vice TV crew or whatever they're going to this remote location and they could have taken so many different directions from that moment going forward that could have been different or more interesting or a different, you know, view I on... I think maybe a- you might like the, the segment in VHS 2 more. Oh, than. my God. The best, in my opinion. All these things that you guys are recommending to me, please, like... Anything. <laughs> please message <laughs> them to short. me later, because, like, I'm not going to remember <laughs> any of this shit. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so good. I, I, like, honestly, one of my all-time favorite cults and it's short and sweet. And this is another reason. This movie's only 99 minutes. And we talk about this a lot mm-hmm. on, my, on my podcast. We hate... I mean, I don't hate long movies. I don't. The guys hate long movies. So, I would say that 99 I minutes I hate long, movie, boring movies. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like a yeah. slow burn. I don't mind a slow burn. I'm happy with that. But for 99 minutes, the fucking movie starts. And it just yeah. jumps right into the bullshit. So, I was happy with that. Because... Mm-hmm. Like, I had to rush and watch it, and I'm like, oh, God, because, like, I had seen it, I had seen yeah. pieces of it, year, like, years ago when it came out, right. and I started turning, anything that gives me anxiety, I turn off, so I turned it off, I think, at the point where they couldn't get in because of the guns, and I'm like, uh-huh. I can't watch this, and I, I love yeah. pe- watching people getting chopped up and stuff, but I can't watch this shit, right, so I, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll rewatch it, and I'll see it again, but as far as, like, a a, a quick, a quick little boop, like ninety nine minutes, beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. all you need. You don't need anything. And, that, more than and that's that. with the end credits. Like you take out the end credits, it's even shorter. Exactly. Um, I did. I did feel it was a little short. Um, and my problem with the, again, I probably already said this, but it wasn't with the budget. Like I, I didn't have a problem with like. No, uh, I brought that up in terms of it, it just made me want to see a right, bigger, a budgeted bigger budget Jonestown thing, right. movie that's based on the Jonestown uh, massacre. It's based on Jim Jones and his rise to power I, and so on. To me, like, so when the father's given his speech to the congregation under the pavilion when the interviewers first get there, he that he did that same exact... Jim Jones did that same exact thing when the reporters and the congressmen went to Jonestown back in the day. He did that same exact thing. He gave a speech. He made everything seem like everyone was hunky-dory. And then they had a party after, too. What did they do here? Father gives a speech. They get interviewed. Then they have a party. And uh, during the party in the real Jonestown, uh, it was either a little girl or a little boy, or it might have been a, a man. No, it was a, it was a dude. It was a dude. It was a full-grown man. He, <laughs> slips, <laughs> he slips one of the reporters a note saying... You know, we're being held here against our will, or, or I want to go home, or something like that. And then oh, it, I forgot about that. Yeah, okay. and then in the movie, what happens? A little girl yeah. sends him a note. I mean, dude, it was literally like, like how close can you get to something without acknowledging? Like, if they had acknowledged that a movie, you know, like something in the title or in the credits about based on the events of Jonestown, something like that, mm-hmm. it's like how close can you get to like ripping off the beats of? A actual real life situation without it being like, all right, you're literally just like kind of ripping this off and not well, acknowledging a lo- it. A lot of movies do that, though. Yeah. I mean, we can't As, just we. 
as closely as this, though, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know enough. Of, I know enough about Colts, but I don't know enough as you do, apparently. But as far as, far as that goes, like, it, it's an indie film. It's one of his first films. What mm-hmm. was this? 2013. 2013. 2013. Yeah, it was like his third, I think, and I, I think... Maybe. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not defending it. Yes, obviously they ripped it off, but I think that that's what is scarier about this is that this is based on a true story. It changed some things around. And here's the thing: they do that all the time, Josh. When yeah. it comes to like these movies that are based on a true story, even if it's said based on a true story, they take a lot of creative liberties. So, like, there can be like an instance where uh, you have a film that's based on a true story. And it's officially based on a true story, but then it's not as effective as something like The Sacrament because it takes too many creative liberties. So, oh, so I, like they're they were trying to avoid like so, so them working for Vice and blah 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 blah. If they said based on a true story, they couldn't have the, them working for Vice because their Vice didn't exist in the seventies. So you're saying yeah, them there's be, stuff like that too. Do, doing being able to do shit like that, then you don't want to say based on a true story because then it's like, well, wait, that yeah, okay, well, I get, I, they, guess they that they makes can, sense. Yeah, they can say based on a true story if one little stupid thing is correct. Like, for example, if you look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yes. it's based off of the serial killer Ed Gein. Yeah. Ed, Ed, like, literally, Ed Gein, loosely. obviously. Loosely based. <laughs> he hung, he, you know, he murdered women, he hung them upside down, peeled their skin off, whatever. Uh-huh. But he didn't run around with, well, he did run around with their body parts on him but he wasn't Leatherface like no <laughs> like Leatherface is made up right so that's mm-hmm. a creative liberty but and we so can, is the family yes <laughs> we can say it's bad well you know there I think there's people like that but whatever yeah um <laughs> we can say it's based on a true story just because of the fact that one guy did that and now we're going to create an entire narrative around it the sacrament however and which is why I guess Josh, you're so upset over it. Is that it? Oh, I'm crying right now. You you can't see it. But <laughs> my it's okay. Are on my face. You you can cry. It's okay. That's what we're here for. Um, but it's it's exactly the way it was supposed to be, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know. Do we get mad at it for com- clearly being the exact same story, or should we just wish for something more over the top? But I think this is terrible enough in and of itself. They're injecting babies with that cyanide drink, mm-hmm. which they actually They're did killing at children. Mm-hmm. It's fucking awful. Like, and and there, most horror movies do not show, aside from a Serbian film, which I'm not even getting into, or Solo, or something or awful like that. Or fucking August Underground. Those fucking. Oh my movies. god! Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't deal with that. Like that's too like much. Borderline too, snuff films. Yeah. Exactly. Like you're watching children dying, and usually they don't put children in that situation right like you're not gonna i see think that happen. i i think when that happens in horror there is a you know uh some people might think i'm kind of crazy for saying this but i think there is a certain positive to that if it's handled correctly like for example in the blob remake when the kid oh, gets yeah. killed or Fuck in the movie kid. or in the movie alligator <laughs> you know it, it, it really <laughs> shows that these are monsters or these are you know uh, threats that uh, take no prisoners. It makes yeah. the threat even more formidable. I really hope yeah. one of our listeners out there makes like a chopped up clip and puts on YouTube of Mike going, I think it is positive when kids get killed. 
<laughs> uh, well, no, a lot of people like that, though. Not a lot of people, not that they like that, but the fact that, exactly, no holds barred, we're going to kill the kids in the movie. Like, everybody. It, it, what was that movie, Feast, I think it was, where it ate mm-hmm. the kid out of the wall? But, again, tonally, that's a little bit different. I feel yes. like those are a little sillier when this you're is dealing... more visceral and more yes. real. It's Espe- more abrasive. Uh, yeah. It's in your face. It's trying to... It really hurts it, when she slits her daughter's throat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean, yeah. for Christ's sake. It's not like, a fantasy. That's the thing, because it's based so much on a real event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is what it is. What are we going to do? <laughs> but if we're going to talk about, like, what the movie is, I think it's really important to look at the competition. Because at that time, I think that with the sacrament, it was so different from everything else that came out yes. at the time. So if you look at that time, we have I Spit on Your Grave too, which I hate Rape Revenge. I don't watch them seen the first one and you see the second where i'm not a big fan of that genre but i i do like the film savage streets but that's because it's like a campy b-movie like action film that has some elements of that in there i know i they all do don't they i mean a lot of them do but i just the i spit on your graves especially the old one and the new one oh i can't do it but we have where where was good. It's actually streaming on Tubi right now. If y'all want to see it, Insidious Chapter Two, whatever, Mama, whatever. I love Guillermo del Toro though, so I'll give him that. Texas Chainsaw, the three D one, The Purge, so bad, <laughs> so bad. The Purge, VHS Two, Dark Skies, horrible. Skinwalker Ranch, terrible. Evil Dead, the remake, which I love and don't fuck with me on that one because I'm not gonna argue with you guys. It's Green, cool. <laughs> the Green Inferno. <laughs> We Are What We Are, which is such a fucking good indie film. And we did a whole thing on that because I was talking about how cannibalism, like you can catch that disease when you're eating human flesh and mm-hmm. like it like like breaks you down and makes you crazy, which is what happens here, which I love. And so if you haven't seen We Are What We Are, you have to see that. Did you see ha- Fresh, speaking of like cannibals? Yes, yes, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Bro, so. my, Mike needs to be the one that, goes on to your podcast like <laughs> i i've never well, i've never seen I, we've never had a guest on here but that mike has been able to relate to more than me uh <laughs> until now i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i just think it's important to mention these things because we're looking at the sacrament especially at the time and i want to say because this was a whole time like the the 2010s era mm-hmm. like that was a whole obvious i know we're so old 2022 now but the 2010s was like such a thing right so we have wolf creek 2 fright night 2 bad milo jug face amazing another cult movie so if y'all like cult movies jug face watch it it's really so you're saying around around the 2010s like this this kind of genre was more popular yeah well in some ways yes and in some ways not well, found footage, I think, yeah. was prevalent. So yes. I think I think people more look at the sacrament as a found footage perspective and not necessarily the Jonestown, like we're ripping mm-hmm. off something that happened, right? Because we we recently did an episode with Much Ado About Nerding, another podcast, friends of ours, they're out of Albuquerque. Um, sorry, guys, I have a list, but I don't know why. And <laughs> And we did it on Apostle which is another cult film, and it's really along the same lines as a sacrament kind of thing. It's not found footage, but basically about a cult out in the middle of nowhere. I heard about that one. Is that the one with, is Ethan Hawke in that, I think, right? Mm, No, it's... um, Oh, that's the the other thing. Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens stars in it from The Guest, and he is, yeah, uh, yeah, it's like, it's, it's a period piece too, but it's so good. Okay. If you guys have not seen that, it's a Netflix original. Please watch it. 
So um, I, I feel like all of that is in the same vein as a sacrament. And then you have Willow Creek, which was the, the what is it? What, what is it? Big was that a Bigfoot I, found footage film? Is that Bigfoot the one that was directed footage. by Bobcat? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and which whatever. I don't give a fuck about Bigfoot, so I never watched Bigfoot <laughs> movies. And then we have World War Z, The Conjuring, Carrie Remake, and All Trailers Must Die. So this is what our competition was looking like. So if you're looking at the sacrament, I'm looking at all this these shit movies. Like, I like some of them here. But are they all great? No. Oh, The Den is in there. The Den is such a nihilistic found footage film. So awful. I don't know if you guys have seen it. But literally... The most bleakest ending of any film you'll ever watch. Like, watch it, and you're going to be like, what the fuck did I just watch, and why did I sit here for an hour and a half watching <laughs> it? I have no idea. Um, but, you know, if you like found footage and that sort of thing, there's no cult involved, and I don't think they were copying Jonestown, Josh, so you have no excuse. You have to watch The Den. Okay, well, you're going to you're gonna have to mess it. You, literally, I feel like you've, you've <laughs> name-dropped 200 different movies in the duration of this podcast, so you're going to have to message me anything you want me to see, because I'm... I'm I'm so lost right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So I just had to say my piece. <laughs> so but, I, I, but I think that's important. So when you're looking at films like this, you have to look at what's happening around it because, you know, look at the time. Like, all of horror movies are kind of a reflection of what's going on at the time. And I feel that... Like the, one of the a, biggest films of that year was The Conjuring, which is just another yes. sort of haunted house possession film. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I've, Blumhouse. We'll um, finish up the uh, like what actually happened in this movie, so people can like kind of get an understanding (laughs) of like. (laughs) I know. We're going to make sure you do a spoiler a spoiler alert because I mean I mean I don't recommend people to watch this movie if they're (laughs) if they're easily upset. Oh yeah, well I mean yeah, Yeah. there's spoiler because I'm gonna you know get into the uh, all the all the the nitty gritty. So anyway. Father takes him in, has a speech under the pavilion, much like they did at Jonestown, and um, then they have a party. And during the party, Savannah, a young mute girl, passes a note requesting help to Sam. Sam, again, being one of the guys who worked for Vice. When the filmmakers inquire further, they discover a dissident group that wishes to leave, alleging abuse and brainwashing. Jake does not want to get involved, but Sam insists that they help, despite the fact that the helicopter cannot fit them. When Sam and Jake attempt to locate Patrick... They find that he's been taken aside for a threesome, awesome, and an inebriated-seeming Caroline explains that they need Patrick's money. Um, growing increasingly distrustful of father and the communes, Jake and Sam anxiously wait out the night unable to sleep. In the morning, they find that the dissidents have become outright rebellious. Sarah, Savannah's mother, insists that they at least rescue her daughter, and Jake returns to the helicopter to delay its takeoff. The pilot flatly refuses to help. But gunshots cut the conversation short. Jake flees into the forest and circles back to the helicopter. The injured pilot tells him to get the others. At the camp, Sam attempts to break up a fight, and a guard attacks him. Caroline angrily denounces him, and he's taken hostage. Father convenes the commune and forces everyone to take side and lay drinks, like they did at Jonestown. Anyone who refuses is shot dead, like they did at Jonestown. When Jake returns to the camp, he finds almost de- everyone dead except for roving armed guards, kind of like a Jonestown. Patrick Jonestown uh, did it. <laughs> Patrick also held hostage, uh, panics when Caroline injects him with a syringe and she holds him as he dies. What a bitch. When Jake finds her, she refuses to leave the camp, saying that she has nothing left. She pours a bunch of gasoline on herself and lights herself on fire, which I was pretty stoked about. 
um, yeah. given what she had just done. I almost want to sync up that clip to that song. Burn, baby, burn. Disco Inferno. <laughs> like, that would be pretty funny. Uh, so in another cabin, Jake finds Savannah and Sarah hiding. Sarah kills her daughter to spare her from execution. And guards shoot Sarah dead while Jake hides. I think I'd rather be shot dead than drink cyanide or get my throat slit, personally. Yeah. Uh, that's mm-hmm. just me. I'd be like, yo, just aim for the head, bro. Like, please... Get it over with, you know, cyanide. Like, that is a painful-ass death dying from, like... Well, cyanide kind of just stops your heart instantly, but yeah. this they, they never explain what the shit they was. They mixed a lot of different stuff in it, and uh, uh, Jim Jones, just like Gene Jones in this, uh, <laughs> said said the the same sort of thing where it was like oh it's painless it's the you know it won't it won't take that long it'll be quick and and then you'll go on to the other plane but that's not really what happened yeah i mean it, it, yeah. it you know yeah. like i'm sure you'd have like a wrenching like stomach ache and like all all the horrible things and then you'd probably and stop being able to breathe but you're still hiding at the mouth you're, stuff you're and... still cognizant when you die and right I think that is the most disgusting and despicable thing about all of this like yeah just shoot them all down like mm-hmm. i think it, i think he wanted them to take it so they could say that that you know you did this of your own volition right oh yeah exactly yeah i mean even well it was a part of his power trip you know yeah what okay. a way to go well because jim jones i don't think he necessarily well he was so hopped up on on opiates and all like tranquilizers he was so hopped up by the end of his life he was living in a drug-fueled haze like he didn't know his ass from his elbow in the final days. so i don't think he planned on on dying uh they found him in his bungalow with a bullet in his head that you know, like he sh- he shot himself, but he didn't drink the shit that he made everyone else drink, because I don't think he necessarily planned on killing himself. But then, you know, realizing that you know the jig was up and all that, he's like, "Fuck it," you know, I- I'm not gonna be able to, I'm not gonna be able to get out of this. So that, so, so you know, instead of doing what he made all of his children do, like you know, the leader that he supposedly was, he takes a gun and takes the fucking easy way out, bullet in the head, because he's like, "I ain't drinking this shit." You know, this is going to suck. But it's okay for, you know, all these other people and the babies and all that shit to, to do it, you know. Hitler, when when he died, Hitler uh, took a cyanide pill and then shot himself in the head. He wanted to make sure, he wanted to make sure that he was going to die, like, one way or the other. Because, you know, if you don't hit the right spot in your brain, sometimes you can live from a gunshot wound to the head. So he took the cyanide pill and shot himself in the head. Um, so anyway, um... When Jake finally confronts father, he finds Sam bound to a chair and, um, you know, the father's talking about, you know, uh, you've taken my family from me. And Jake's like, yo, you didn't have to do this. We can still leave. And he's like, you know, one day everyone's going to die. And it's like, well, that's not a really good comeback to you didn't have to do this. Um <laughs> And then uh, he takes out the gun and uh, Sam thinks he's going to shoot Sam. And he's like, please, I I have a family. I have have a wife and a kid on the way. And um, instead he turns the gun, father turns the gun on himself and blows his brains out. And I love, I did love the effect of uh, the glass shattering behind him. Because that's oh, so good. Because yeah. that's yeah. absolutely what would happen if you did that. It was a great pl- practical effect too of, oh, of yeah. the headshot. And then um, when that, then it, when that, so Sam's like, get the key to unlock me. And so Jake 
goes to get the key from father because it's on his person and then the He's leaning forward at this point, and the blood is just gushing out of his nose, which was just disgusting, but very uh, drove the point home of, uh, yeah, this dude did. And it looked and it looked really good, like the practical like blood effects and everything looked very real. Um, yeah. And then they basically just get to the chopper, and, um, well, no, actually before that, they're running back, and the guards are still roving around, shooting people to make sure they're dead. And one of the guards is like, yeah, you can go. One of, well, the gu- one of the guards is like, cool, finally, and wakes up, yeah. and he, shoot- he shoots the other guard. He's like, go, run, go I'm ahead. going to yeah. burn this place to the ground. And so, which I thought, yeah, badass, man, that's cool, uh, you know. Well, remember when he's like, um, Sam is under the, the girl, he grabs her to use her as a Oh, shield, yeah. And yes. she, she's just drooling all that shit yeah. down his face. Oh, yeah, that's so gross. Hanging yeah. there, like, so nasty. There were some really... So <laughs> great moments of tension in the climax when they're trying to you know hide from the 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 guys with the guns or even prior to that when the cameraman is trying to hide from them and he puts his camera down and he's like hiding in the woods yeah no everything it was just uh, when he's underneath the uh the bed mm-hmm. and he's watching that and they don't show them shoot them but then they, then he comes yeah. back and he looks at the, oh god and it's just what a fucking good way to just end a fucking movie yeah like god damn like everything about it was just it was non-stop it was visceral yes crazy and and they had so many people like so many extras in this film that just look like people right yeah so these are everyday people these are people you see on the street these are people you see in your neighborhood except uh, except i guess a couple of them were uh harlem globetrotters (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i saw that they were extras (laughs) yeah Yeah, that was fun. I felt like um, uh, in the movie, like talking about everyday people. I felt like the nurse really sold the yeah. everyday people thing because she, yeah. you know, I've I've met nurses who act like that, who are just very matter of fact, you know, kind of nonchalant, kind of you know, sar- sassy or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's like, yeah, I that she played that totally real, and um, it just it's like, well, if she's not freaking out, if she's not doesn't feel like there's any bad vibes this place must be legit because mm-hmm. you know well what do you guys think of the fact that they try to blame all of this hullabaloo on the fact that they had outsiders coming in do you think this community community would have survived had they not been infiltrated by people who are not ready to join i think eventually things would have uh uh maybe not turned as deadly but things would have eventually fallen apart uh, because if it's based, if if it's going to follow the same trajectory as what happened in Jonestown, Jim mm-hmm. Jones, like Josh said, was not, in, we was already not in the right mind to begin with. And now his mind is deteriorating even further because of all this drug abuse. So yeah, he, he, was, he was starting to get paranoid. He was having hallucinations. Yeah. I mean, he was fucked up. But but back back in the Jim Jones era, which was a long, you know, like fucking forever ago, like sixties or whatever, seventies, uh, right? When the when the uh, deaths actually happened, it was the seventies. Yeah. But the, the temple was started all the way back in the late fifties. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and at first, it was it was pretty uh, benevolent, you know, and it mm-hmm. was pretty um, innocuous. Uh, yeah. Only when uh, like towards the latter years of them being in the United States, uh, Jones started abusing. Um, opioids because at that time it was one of those things where it's like oh yeah just take this funny little pill here it'll make you feel all right like they didn't know they didn't have the knowledge that we do now about how 
bad that shit is for how like, addictive. That shit fuck you up. Because <laughs> it, it was the same thing with Elvis. It was the same thing with Elvis. Yeah. Elvis, you know, yep. he would do all these drugs and like... Didn't he start it, doing barbiturates and stuff too? Yeah, barbiturates yeah. and quaaludes and you name yeah. and you fucking name it. And, and at that time... He was having his attacks. I mean... They were called attacks, right? Right, well, right. Well, yeah, watch the Valley of the Dolls. Like, mm-hmm. you had to take pills to go to sleep. You had to take pills to wake up. Sharon Tate starts the stars in that movie. Yeah. It was just, that was just how it was. So, yeah, so, so it, it, like, doctors would prescribe this shit like candy. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it was, there wasn't, uh, the, the data wasn't there. Now it is, you know, yes. at, through the drug epidemic of the 80s and the, the opioid epidemic of the 90s and, and now even, um, you know, because OxyContin hasn't always been around. It was literally invented in the 90s, and it was it was marketed yeah. as this miracle drug that's non-habit-forming when they knew damn well it was habit-forming. Uh, but Just they take us back to Quaaludes. Like, what happened? Yeah, man. Good old <laughs> 1970s Skinner-style Quaaludes. Uh, but no, yeah. So, like, to answer your question, though, uh, Aid, that you po- posed about if the community would have uh, survived... W- in in this particular instance, they weren't expecting a camera crew. I think fa- the father knew pretty much as soon as from the word go that oh shit, we've been busted. Like yeah, uh, they're gonna have to die now, or well, we're gonna I, have to I, die. I think, but my my theory is because if it's like tied directly into like what happened, you know, in reality. Uh, because you know he, it, I'm assuming the father is also abusing drugs too. Well, they never they never established that, no. so we can't really say one. But way or even the other. but it, it's also established that he's not right in the head. So eventually, something would happen, in my opinion, where the community would eventually either break apart or something tragic would occur. I don't know. Because, if, I don't know if they established that he wasn't right in the head. Was he? Did he have different ways than? traditional oh like, he, like some of some of the things he was saying on the loudspeaker some of these other so these little subtle things like it wasn't as in your face as some of the stuff that that uh jim jones was saying like later on in his life but it did come across like okay yeah this guy is not well yeah not that's true. and they, they did have dissidents as well they yes. did have people who, and eventually those people would have tried to leave yes. and they would have gotten killed and then yes and you then know that, mm-hmm. that would have spurned some kind of an investigation eventually yes. and yeah so yeah that's that's true yeah so it would have it would have ended up like jonestown <laughs> like <laughs> it's kind of hard to like get a large group of people to go to a remote location and not really tell any of your loved ones and have them not be like what the fuck you know and eventually yeah. come and find you and or look for you and then if you use violence against the outsiders then that's going to bring even more heat you know so it's mm. just like yeah that's Probably not a good idea. If anyone out there is wanting to start any kind of commune like that, um, maybe don't because we've seen... Now, it could have not been as lethal as it ultimately wound up being because of the outsiders that came in and then, you know, caused whatever to happen. It could have just been one of those things where people just... People just started to disband or there started to become splinters in the community. Just let people leave. Just let people leave of their own volition, you know? Like, that's all you have to do. When you start doing this whole you-can't-leave bullshit, that's when people (laughs) get weird about it and start feeling weird about you. I mean, it's like 
Think about going to a Southern Baptist church and they close the door and they're, you know, doing their sermon and they start saying shit that makes you uncomfortable and you're like, fuck this, I'm, I'm out of here. And, you know, most times you could just do that. But what if, like, some big dude stood in front of the door and shakes his head and he points you back to go sit back down again? And then you'd be like, oh, shit, this is, this is a huge red flag. Like, this is not yeah, good at all. Yeah, or you try to go out and the door's locked. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, wait, yeah. wait, where are you going, friend? We're all family here. Don't you want to hear what the good news about jesus or whatever the fuck uh so yeah i mean scientology is the same thing like like the sea org mm-hmm. they don't uh, like oh by the way aid you you there's no way you know this about me but uh i'm like obs- i'm obsessed with scientology <laughs> oh my god I'm is hu- it because you are or is it because you just like to know about it? i'm a follower of it i mean i i just i i he's, he's not technically a believer but no i'm like- no i'm not not even <laughs> no. not technically i'm absolutely not it's absolute yeah. bullshit <laughs> But, uh-huh. like, it's, like, a real-life drama that's happening right to this day, and all the crazy stories about Scientology. So, like, when you – like, the high, the high, the highest ranks that you can join in Scientology is the Sea Org, Sea Organization for short. They abbreviate everything in Scientology, by the way. And um, you have to sign what they call a billion-year contract, which basically means you're, you are in the Sea Org uh, for this lifetime and the next lifetime, blah, 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 and to the equivalent of a billion years, basically forever. And um, once you join the Sea Org, they keep you in psychologically. They don't keep you in physically. You can leave, and what they, the term they call blow, you can blow and escape. But if you do, you're inst- instantly declared uh, an SP or a suppressive person, which is like the lowest life form in Scientology. Uh, you're excommunicated from your family. Like, if your family's in Scientology, which normally they are, it's normally not just one person, but if you blow and become declared an SP, you are no longer allowed to talk to your family. I forgot that it's called blow. (laughs) Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah, you can't talk to your family, you're ostracized, any, any, like, money that you have tied up in the organization, like, if you want a refund for, because they charge thousands of dollars for their, their auditing and their other various services that they, auditing is their form of, um, like, like, in the Catholic Church when you would see the, uh, confess your sins to the priest or whatever, like, auditing is their form of that, that's what they call it, um, all that shit they charge you for. And if you want to refund, I mean, like, well, that's a, that's a whole other topic. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so knowing all of the repercussions of leaving Scientology, um, th- there's really no way you can leave once you're in the Sea Org. Now, if you're just a, a public Scientologist, meaning that you're not in the Sea Org, you just practice Scientology and pay for some of the courses, you can do whatever the fuck you want. It does, they don't care about that as long as, you know, you give your donations and... This, that, and the other. But the Sea Org members are really the ones yeah. that, that are still stuck in this modern-day cult. Um, and Surprised yeah. there hasn't been a Scientology horror movie. Maybe that's because Scientology itself would just... Like, oh, Scientology. Somebody. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. yeah. They're very litigious. They're a very litigious yeah. group. If you... I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, that's any organized religion. I, I just watched that whole documentary on that bitch with the big hair who died in the plane crash with those Christians. <laughs> I don't remember. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't she just remember. died. Oh, she you're, talk- died. you're not talking about um the fuck- what the fuck was her name? No, it was not, an HBO not Tammy. Max thing. Not Tammy Faye Baker. No, not Tammy Faye Baker. The one that just literally just died, and she they still have all these people now. Her daughter runs it. It's a whole thing. And you know, oh, right- I know. Yeah, what, what, yeah, I know. I know what you're talking. I didn't know she died in a plane crash, but I know what. Yeah, I know, thank I know what you're God. Talking about. 
<laughs> she died in the plane crash, and they still had their little televangelist fucking. Oh, she, was the she the day. one that was doing that business or whatever, like yes. leggings or whatever, with her big ass yeah. hair, with the Hawaii HBO Max. Um, mm-hmm. Crazy, really. Hold on, let me just Google it. Crazy <laughs> religious lady. <laughs> I mean, seriously, any yeah. kind of religion, I, it's all religion. And I hate to say this, and I'm sorry for anybody who is, um, yeah, it's called The Way Down. Uh-huh. And it's it's based on the Christian program by Gwen Shamblin. And she basically, like, children have died in this. If you guys need to do an episode, that's what you need to do an episode on these fucking crazy ass people. Shit. Because <laughs> yeah. they we'll literally... Put, take note. Literally, I'm going to send you the link. Her fucking hair. Like, you look at her hair, and it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And they, they pride themselves in making sure everybody is thin. Now, I grew up, and, you know, I obviously, I'm a millennial, so we all have uh, body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. So I get that you want to be thin, but I don't need to fucking follow your remnant fellowship and pay your ass all this money. And they literally yell at you and starve you, and they beat your children and they make you live on this little commune. It's amazing. Like, and these people just follow it. So she literally just died in a plane crash during this documentary. Dope. Her and her husband. I know. And then her crazy ass little daughter. (laughs) It is. And her son is like a drug addict and he keeps trying to get out and he keeps getting fat and they keep throwing him out. Like every time he gets fat, they throw the sun out. And I'm just like, what is going on with these fucking people? Like, I don't understand. And you see all the, the people they're interviewing and they're all people that were like sucked into this, but they all gain. I mean, they're all like so overweight now because I yeah. think that she just like kind of, I, I know it's so sad, but I think she kind of like meant, she like did all of these things to these people all in the name so of God. So it caused a like, lot of psychological issues to make it so once they are out of there, then yes. they're like, I'm going to eat everything. Bro, they dude, her, her, yeah. her hair right now I'm looking at, she's like a giga Karen. Oh my god! Like she is the Karen. Like seriously, mega ultra Karen. That is the final Karen that you fight at the end of the Karen game. The final boss. It's so sad. Somebody needs to make that game. And you watch these parents, and like one of the this one couple on the show, like they stole their daughter away from the family. Like one of the boys took the daughter, and um, like basically slept with her, and then just kind of took her there while she was still a teenager and then marries her and like once you get married and you're in this this whatever the fuck it is this cult they won't let you leave and um you know they can't go see their daughter anymore they went to the wedding but they told her the daughter said you know if you can't support this because gwen was supposed to do the the sermon if you can't support this then we're not going to be part of it well gwen died in the fucking plane the day before and they still had the wedding, and everybody was still celebrating like they didn't even care. <laughs> and, and I'm like, um, your cult leader just died, so you're just going to go follow another leader? Like, that's what's happening here? <clears throat> like, I can't do it. It's I, like the Hydra. Cut one head yeah. off, then another one grows back in its place. Um, you know, exactly. you're, you're calling her a cult leader. Google is calling her a diet guru. Oh, she's a diet guru, yeah, because because all of her followers have to stay thin. If you get fat, you get in trouble. Well, I mean, guru can also be used <laughs> uh, for other, you know, cult leaders. For instance, the guy who uh, was the leader of the cult in Oregon uh, that was the focus of Wild Wild Country, uh, he was considered a guru. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's another Whatever. nutball. Bro, this lady's hair is a fire hazard. <laughs> I know. It's like, so bad, all that hairspray. She, 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 she gets, all she does to do is get around. Is she related what? to that, that uh, 
that a chick from like the Long Island Medium is she related to her or something? Oh they, they, my it seems god! Like they have, like, they the all same have that Karen hair. <laughs> yeah, they have the same stylist. Like Fourth of July must be a very scary time for her because when a Sparkler gets anywhere near that hair, it's going up like a great white concert. Well, she's dead forever, so who gives a fuck at this point? <laughs> I, I'm sure her hair lit up in that plane crash, thank God. So anyway, I know it's terrible for me to say uh-huh. that, but I don't give a fuck. She can go fuck herself or whatever she is. And I, I just, she's got all these poor people there, mm. and it's so sad, yeah. and they beat the kids. My thing is, is like, that's where they, they've gotten to all this fire, because they yeah. literally teach you to beat your children in a submission, so this one family beat their son so bad they put him in a trunk, locked it, and let him die in there. Jesus Christ! And then they have so much money that they, the attorneys paid for the attorneys to like defend these parents Ugh. and all this shit. That's what Scientology like, gotta, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, one of the the famous cases. Um, oh, what the fuck is her name? I'm always forgetting, and I try to commit to memory. Anyway, they had a. a <laughs> <laughs> they had Tom uh, Cruise's wife. At you one commit point? these her- atrocities to memory. I love it. <laughs> no, I try to think. I try to remember her name so I can I can spout it off. You know, immediately when someone, if if anyone, in the event that anyone tries to debate Scientology with me and why it's okay, um, Lisa McPherson. I want to say it was oh, her name. Okay. Uh, she in the I think it was in the nineties. Um, David Miscavige, the current leader of uh, Scientology, almost had to go almost had to um, go to court and testify, but he got out of it as he always does. Um, she um, <clears throat> pretty much went insane in like during Scientology and um, they, they just don't fuck with crazy people because like they, they just believe that the person is like too far gone at that point and Except they, most of them are fucking crazy right, people. Right, right, they are crazy <laughs> people. But she literally like ran in the street naked and like I mean, so- somehow L. Ron they- Hubbard was he was <laughs> oh towards the end of his life yes yeah. he, was, he was absolutely insane um, but yeah anyway uh, it, they basically got charged with like neglecting the fuck out of her cause like they, 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 mm-hmm. they could have gotten her help but they refused cause Scientologists don't believe in um, like really like modern like medicine and shit they believe in all that, you know, typical cult shit where, oh, our religion can heal you. You don't need to do this or that or the other. Mm-hmm. And they're especially against psychiatrists and psychiatry. They they think that the whole system is bullshit and that it was created by the government to keep people numb and obedient and, you know, not reach their full, you know actualization and all that shit and 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 the reason i believe why that uh they hate psychiatry so much is l ron hubbard their founder try he wrote a book called dianetics which he thought he had unlocked this amazing code to the brain and all that and he wrote to many of uh, people in the psychiatry industry wanting them to add this book to like the respected kind of uh documents of psychiatry and they're basically like we we can't make heads or tails of this fucking book who are you leave us alone fuck off and basically he got burned so yeah, then he was like, like aliens come yeah. on man so really? then he's he's like you, you know what <laughs> fuck psychiatry anyway i didn't need you and so he did then yeah. then then at that point he starts declaring oh it's an evil practice and this that and the other blah blah, blah. so anyway side t- t- side tangent number 15 <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I well, that's all ties into the sacrament, honestly, because we're yeah. dealing with cults and this type of behavior. So I think it's mm-hmm. important that, you know, at least we cover the fact that people are fucking crazy and yes. they don't know how to think for themselves. And I get that there's a reason why they fall for these things. I, as a person, every time I look at these things, I'm like, I, I, I'm not victim blaming because it's there. I, I know they're being, you know, targeted. They're being manipulated. Just, yeah. Exactly, but I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I, you know, I fucking hate every day. I have, to, I'm a fucking teacher for Christ's sake. You don't see me running off looking for fucking Gene Jones to come make my life better. <laughs> like, get the fuck over it. Like, there is no higher power that is going to make your life better. I'm going to say that right now, and I, and probably going to lose a lot of followers for that. But no, I don't believe in God. I don't believe any of that bullshit. You make your life. Or you, I, I don't know. I don't say that because life you know I know that there's one. Life is what you make it. Um, there, somebody is not going to come and swoop you off your feet and make your life better, is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, you're not going to find the one to make your life better, right, you, guys? You and, are the only one that can make your life better through the choices you make. The, exactly. The mm-hmm. amount of work you put into yourself, the willpower that you have within yourself, the pick your ass up off from your own bootstraps kind uh-huh. of mentality. That's that's how you make the life so that you want. So speaking of uh, the sacrament, uh, just I guess it's the time to probably maybe share our final thoughts on it. Um, I like I like the film quite a bit. Uh, I I do feel that there were some times where it was a little bit too much, just like the real life Jonestown massacre. But I did feel there were enough differences here and there to make it still feel like it was kind of doing its own thing. For instance, with the two cameramen. Like, uh, the, their story and, uh, the dialogue between the two and just their involvement in everything was very different than what you ultimately, uh, saw go down in Jonestown. Uh, the whole stuff with, uh, the brother and sister, like, there probably were, like, brothers and sisters that were in Jonestown, but it didn't didn't really seem like that was, like, a major focus in terms of, like, uh, storytelling, or, or narratives or, or written pieces about Jonestown. So that was a nice little change there as well. Uh, I thought performances, for the most part, really good by the main cast. Joe Swanberg, A.J. Bowen, Kentucky. Uh, K- Kentucky. It's Kentucker. I, can't, I don't know why I want to call him Kentucky. What? By, by the way, on a side note, when I saw that, I just, was just my brain kind of bled a little bit. What, 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 who names their kid Kentucker? Yeah, that is the most like redneck ass like trailer trash name I I could think of. A kid oh. who dies in a cult. That's the kid. Yeah, <laughs> Tucker Oddly, uh, Amy Simetz, uh Gene Jones. Uh, Gene Jones was so good. I wanted more scenes with him. Yeah, he really was. Yeah. He- oh, and he's the sweetest. Like he is the best guy. Is like, mm-hmm. please listen to that interview, y'all, if you want to hear it. Like, honestly, the nicest person. He John Goodman, and I'm like, oh my yeah. god! Like, how did you play this evil? It person? sounds like he's similar <laughs> to like Ronnie Cox, who was known for you know playing bad guys in action movies like RoboCop and Total Recall. Like, he's the complete opposite. Like, he's like the nicest, you know, sweetest, kind guy ever. But like, he plays like some of the meanest asshole characters <laughs> in cinema. 
I almost, like, yeah. I almost hate finding out like someone's co- completely different, like in interviews and shit. Like I almost like stay away, like we'll stay away from interviews of these a- actors just for that reason because like I just I just finished The Sopranos for the first yeah. time, and uh, I know it's it's been around since like the like ninety eight or something. But hey, we never ha- I'm st- I still haven't watched the show, and I have it on Blu Ray. So yeah, we we uh, never had HBO growing up consistently, so I I never got around to watching it. And then at the time too, I, I really at, at that point in my life as a teenager or whatever, I didn't really care much about like Italian mob movies. Now I fucking love them. Um, so I watched that series, and one of the um, captains that works for Tony Soprano is named Silvio. And come to find out, the actor who played him was the guitarist for Bruce Springsteen, who played who played on um, "Born in the USA." That you know his mm-hmm. his biggest album. And there's pictures of him on stage wearing a headband and all this hippie gear and shit. And you know, in the movie, he's this mob guy. He's he's almost cartoonishly mob looking. In like the a, show, yeah, yeah, in the show. And and now I can never look at him the same again. It's like, yeah, you're the guitarist for Bruce Springsteen. I don't buy it, buddy. I don't buy that you're gonna put a bullet in my ass anymore. I think you're gonna play "Born to Run" on guitar in front of a lot of people. Is what you're gonna do. I, I'm I, I'm the opposite. I, I like seeing uh, you know how people really are and and seeing uh, their ability to uh you know be and act like something completely different um what what was crazy about james gandolfini is he didn't even really talk with that much of that uh jersey accent he like he really nasaled it up for the tony soprano uh Mm -hmm. role but it sounded convincing though like it didn't sound like a fake accent speed of convincing yeah a lot of these actors at least in the main cast are very (laughs) convincing and uh the film had some really genuinely tense and just a visceral and and legitimately scary moments uh you know when patrick is being uh killed by his by his sister i mean it's a very mm-hmm. just uh rough scene to watch you know the guy's just tied up he's helpless and he's like no 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 i don't i don't want to die i don't want to die ah! Oh my god that was yeah. so heartbreaking so yeah. heartbreaking like what a fucking like oh like yeah. what a way to like ruin your day to watch that so it's very yeah. nihilistic yes. if you want to be upset please watch the film <laughs> if you don't then just listen to the show and have a good time yeah, oh, what are your final <laughs> thoughts on on the sacrament also, oh yeah okay go ahead Aid. oh no final thoughts i think it's a great film i absolutely love ty west i think the world of him anything Ty West is related to anything David Bruckner is related to Adam Wingard, Simon Barrett Joe Swanberg uh, anything with Amy Simons and A.G. Bowen in it please just go ahead and have a great time watching these films because they are amazing they they are more independent and honestly I feel that they have more of this visceral practical effects approach versus something that's more larger scale like Blumhouse you're going to get a lot of CGI so fuck that if you want a good you know scarier shit your pants film have a good time with this one that's all i have to say i i enjoyed the movie um i was really digging the whole vice angle and how it became you did enjoy the movie because it seems (laughs) no i'll I'll get to that i i i i I really dug the whole vice angle and how it got got real meta because you literally it starts out like every fucking vice documentary i've ever seen where it's like these you know mid-30s bro dudes with their cameras, you know, like, yeah, we're going to go, you know, investigate the heroin epidemic in the Bronx or whatever. And it started out like it's like it was really meta, you know, and then as it slowly transforms 
into a movie it's like well that's cool i don't i don't see that a lot and again i mm. guess that's the whole found footage aspect to it too which i haven't seen a lot of those um i did i did get a bit disappointed though um as the movie went on because it just was so derivative of um and on the nose uh even down to uh gene jones portraying jim jones uh and i was like oh really like but it was but with that being said it was all well done and but it was i was still say- better a better version of jonestown than any other reenactment that we've seen to date and I will say this, and this isn't even a knock on the movie. I will say this is a great, like, introductory movie to people who haven't seen movies about cults or haven't seen movies mm-hmm. about found footage. Like, I think this would be a good, like, you know, baby's first, you know, cult movie or found footage movie. Because it's it's quick. It's It gets zips through the storyline. There's some good drama. There's some good acting. And then it ends, you know, it, does, it doesn't give you the full, like, you know cop out where everyone lives and you know they all yeah. escape together it, you know it, it, I, but i mean it doesn't give you that but at least it does uh give you the fact that someone does survive right which so which i thought it was a happen a lot with found footage films that's true i i especially when you're looking at vhs when you watch the alien one and the little dog oh my god <laughs> so I'm vhs sorry, I'm, like i i wanted VHS to part two. i wanted to i mean vhs part two i i don't mind the first one i wanted to really like but there's so many stories that were just so dumb i mean there was one that was just like i don't know if it was ty west's segment or not where it's just this lesbian couple and the scariest like scene is is one of them like putting someone's toothbrush in a toilet i was like really that's what we're going now <laughs> That's oh where we're God. going. I haven't watched the first one in so long. Cause <laughs> yeah. The second one is the strongest installment. Let's yeah. just say that, and we'll move on yeah. from that. Because I'm sure we need to finish. This is a long episode, guys. Yeah, right? well, bless, we, we bless do. Bless your heart, whoever edits. Yeah, we, uh, we that's do. Me. We, we do long episodes. <laughs> well, especially when a guest is on, because, like, yeah. me and Mike, we, we you know, we, we kind of sputter out at a certain point, you know. <laughs> But with yeah. with new energy injected in, it's it, it, it makes it easier to kind of have uh-huh. a bunch of back and forths. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's our thoughts on the sacrament. So um, did you like it? So you liked the film? Yes, yes, Josh. I did like it. Okay. I just had I just had problems with it here and there, like anybody mm-hmm. does with any movie. You know, like there are perfect films out there, but they're few and far between. So anyway, that's the end of the podcast. If you want to uh, follow us on, if you want to donate to us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries for $3 a month. You sometimes get the podcast early uh, whenever I'm able to get it out early. You're pretty much just like, you know, helping me out and and giving me a tip for my efforts. Uh, and then sometimes you get it early. But for $5 a month, you can tell us what you want us to cover uh, we have done that several times already from Patreon. However, there is a limit on uh, we will not cover an entire series. We learned that the hard way when we did uh, what was it called? The, the Keepers. The Keepers. Uh, we, we we watched that whole damn series because it was a request, and it's like yeah, that should have been a fifty dollar request, not a five dollar. Because <laughs> oh like God, we we charge a hundred when we ask people. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's it a lot is. Of work, it so. is. I mean, each episode was like at least an hour long. I think there were seven episodes or eight. I mean, that's like a lot of my time. But again, a, a person that did that, I am not shaming you. I appreciate it. Uh, it's nothing against you. Uh, it was it was on us. Like we should have 
uh, made uh, it more clear. So anyway, that's for the five dollar tier, and the one dollar tier is uh, just you know a nice. I'll give you a nice digital slap on the ass and a wink. Um, <laughs> so if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can join our Facebook group. It's a great uh, community with uh, very uh, little to no uh, toxicity of any kind. Uh, you can go to Facebook and type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar and then just click groups. And I know that's already one step too many for 90% of you, but some of you find it, so good for you. Uh, thank God the uh, algorithms have calmed the fuck down and we're not getting a flood of requests of uh, people saying, are you joining this fan group because you listen to the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries podcast? And they just type no. And then the second question is, if you typed no, what is the reason that you're joining this fan group? And I like, like mysteries. I like mysteries. I want, <laughs> like, like we I have like the turtles. It's as if we have the, the, hit, the hidden camera angle on the grassy knoll of the JFK assassination just chilling in our group. And you're, by joining our group, you're just going to find that. It's like we, we got uh, the, the pictures of the bodies at, at Roswell that they found. You know, we got, all that's here, baby. You just got to... You know, check these boxes and we'll let you in. It's like fuck that. But anyway, that's uh, the Facebook group. <laughs> and if you like that, me and that Mike, really irritates Josh. As it, you can dude, see. it does. <laughs> it's just people's stupidity. But anyway, um, if you like me and Mike, but maybe you want us separately, you're tired of the togetherness of us. We have YouTube channels and we do uh, you know totally different content than this. Well, actually, we don't on uh, Mike's YouTube channel because he's a movie guy and he talks about movies. You can find his YouTube channel at YouTube.com/slash. OCP Communications. Once again, that's youtube.com slash OCP Communications. What was the last uh, video you did, Mike? Last video I did was a uh, rant on uh, an absolutely horrible, uh, uh, cheap, made-for-streaming uh, movie called The Last In. Uh, I also did a review and a bit of a dissection on uh, Natural Born Killers. Uh, so if and Great movie soundtrack. You, yes. Mm-hmm. Good soundtrack. Uh, I liked the film, but it was a little too much uh, uh, you know, of, of things just going on. I, I think it could have benefited from being a little bit less intense all the time. But uh, I, I explained more of my reasons why in uh, my review of the movie. Well, jump over there if you want to see that. If you want to see my YouTube channel, uh, it's uh, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Once again, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Uh, I cover a lot of music-based stuff nowadays, like little mini documentaries. I do album rankings. Uh, I talk about shitty live performances by certain bands, <laughs> Rex Viper. Um, I have my own band's music videos on there, my own band's music. There is some game reviews on there if you're into video game stuff, although I don't really do the gaming content as much as I used to because I'm trying to pick a central theme here, get a fucking fan base. You could do like a music uh, you know, we're thing. we're supposed to be doing me and this guy. We're supposed to be doing a collaboration in the future with that. Um, oh, okay. But my last video I did was I ranked uh, the top uh, alternative rock albums. I ranked them from uh, legendary all the way down to sucks. And then I have another box <laughs> that just says I haven't I haven't heard the record. Um, you know the ones that you would guess Nirvana's Nevermind is in the legendary Alice in Chains Dirt. Um, Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream, and then, uh, yeah, just a little hot take, but Josh put uh, Green Day's American Idiot in the meh category, because I thought the album was meh. thought it was a little too uh, dramatic for my taste. And in the sucks category, which surprises no one, I put Metallica's Load and Reload. (laughs) 
Uh, because, Sorry. yeah. I mean, just... if I they agree. If they had taken both albums and made one album from the best songs off of both albums, then they would have had one good album. But they didn't do that, and so we ended up getting a fucking country song out of Metallica with the song Mama Said. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my channel. And then finally, Aid... Give us all your stuff. All right. So I don't want to bore you guys with all my shit, but if you want to follow me, you can follow us at Slashers Pod on Instagram or Slashers Podcast on Facebook. We also have a street team called the Mutant Goons from Beyond. You can follow us on that on Instagram as well as Facebook. That's where we like interact the most with our fans. We call our fans the Mutant Goons from Beyond, blah, blah, blah. And if you want to follow me specifically, pathologically, A-D-E on Instagram, um, or you can follow me on Facebook, it's fine. I call it the Boomer Book because nobody ever fucking uses it, so why are we even <laughs> talking about Facebook anymore? But it is what it is. People are still on it. So please follow us. Um, if you just want, like, a good horror thing, we talk about anything and all, all things in between. A little inappropriate, so it's not suitable for work, especially considering some of our guests we've had on lately. Like, it's a little bit raunchy, but what can you do? So... <laughs> Oh, Thank our shit's, you, John. Yeah, our shit's normally way worse, but we were we were uh, having our, 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 our passionate debate this time around. So we, we there wasn't as much fucks and shits and cunts this time around as there normally is. <laughs> well, that's okay. I, you know what, Josh and Mike, thank you guys for having me on this. This was so much fun. It like I feel such an honor that somebody because usually when we do the show, somebody always wants Jake or Doug, and somebody actually asked for me for a change. I'm like, oh my god, I feel so special. So thank you guys. <laughs> Yeah, for, for sure. Thanks for uh, th- thanks yeah, for reaching th- out and uh, featuring our music on your podcast. And sure. um, and so net, our next move is to get either me or Mike or both of us onto Slasher. And uh, yeah, the tri- the triumphant will be complete. Oh hell yeah, y'all can. You guys are welcome to come on anytime you want. Like it would be so much fun. We have a great time. So. And you're in my time zone, so it's so much easier. Yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> Doing mental gymnastics every time I have to talk to Mike, because I always just default to his time to make it easier on his brain. I'm like, all right, Mike, you want to do the po- podcast at 2, which is 5 my time, but I just don't want to confuse him. So not saying you're dumb, Mike, but I just, <laughs> I just try to help you out in that way so it just makes it the easiest on your brain. So I'm yeah. so with 8, it's like, hey, you want to do it at 5? Yeah, 5 means 5 here. Cool. But I yeah. Know. I was right. confused. I'm sorry. I got confused. But thank you guys for having no, me. No, it's so. all good. <laughs> no, all no right. Um, for all of us here at the podcast, everybody have a good rest of your fucking day. Bye. See ya. Bye.